0: I'm gonna introduce my family a little bit first, a little bit about me, in case you didn't come last night, or if you're like me, I would have never grabbed the paper that was sitting on the side and actually read it. Uh, so let me tell you a little bit about me. Uh, so my name is Michael Giroux. My wife's. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Is that, this going to do it too? In it, like you know, five minutes timeline. Uh, my name is Michael Giroux. My wife's down here, Kirsten. You saw her just a moment ago. Uh, we have been married for about to be four years, right? Is that correct? Okay, good. I did my math right. Uh, good. Uh, we're about to uh, celebrate that come May. Uh, and we have a one-year-old son named Hayden and a about-to-be-three-in-April-year-old son named Levi. A ton of fun. We have two dogs, which we love. We used to call them our babies until we got real babies, but uh, we can't, they're basically babies. They sleep in the bed with us. They're bums. Uh, a little bit about me. We, I grew up in this area. I grew up in the Catawba and Roanoke area. My dad's house is on Keffer Road right down the road, so nice and close. And then my mom's is by the Outback in 220. So I grew up between these two areas. Uh, growing up, I went to Northside High School, graduated from there back in 2012. Uh, and then after that, I did two years at Virginia Western where I finished up my uh, kind of general aid classes and I transferred to Liberty, graduating with my church ministries degree in 2016. Then I got my master's with them, finishing that up in 2019. And then in 2021, I finished up my doctorate with them. I went straight through so that I'd be done with school and never have to go back. So I plan to never do school again. Uh, and then what I'm doing right now in this time, we uh, moved out to Newcastle back in June. And uh, when I came out here, I, I relaunched my woodworking business that I've been doing for a while. make custom furniture and decor. Uh, So I've been doing that. I work at the Craig County Child Care Center. I do maintenance for them and some lawn care and stuff like that. That's just kind of a side thing. It takes about, you know, three hours on a weekend to do, so it's nothing major. And then uh, one of the other big things that we are doing right now is my wife uh, is volunteering as an EMT with the Craig County Rescue Squad. And when she started volunteering, they came to me because they heard that I was ordained and a pastor, and they approached me about being their chaplain. So I've been doing that as well and getting to pour into the community and getting to be a part of that. Uh, And then lastly, right now, we are serving at Oakland Baptist Church, and I'm serving as their worship pastor. Uh, That was just something that kind of came through connection of a friend and worked out and something I've been enjoying in that meantime. So that is enough about me. We're going to dive into this message today. Uh, Let me pray, and then we will get started. God, I thank you for bringing us here today. I thank you for the fact that uh, you've brought me here, you've gone through this process, God, and that you've led us every step of the way. I pray you continue to lead this church, show them what your plan is, God, reveal that same plan to us, God. I pray for Oakland right now too, God, that as you're working these steps, you're working steps for them as well. God, we pray for this message today that I would simply be, God, just a vessel in which you speak through today. Help me to speak clearly, God, not to stumble over my words, God, to have have clear thoughts and deliver your message today. In your name I pray, Amen. So as I was trying to figure out what I was going to be preaching on this week, I, for some reason, I just felt like I couldn't just grab a sermon I've already done before. I, went, I wanted to make sure that I was doing it justice. And as I started praying, I just really got lost about it. I couldn't figure out like, what I was going to do. Uh, for January, one of my things for my New Year's resolution is I picked uh, a book of the Bible for all of January. I wanted to focus on that. So I focused on Galatians. And I was like, okay, I'm going to preach something in Galatians for sure. And I read through Galatians, and I read through it, and I listened through it. And like, as I was on the gym, I would put it on and play and listen to it. And man, I came up completely empty. And I was like, all right, so it's not Galatians. Well, I'm reading through the Bible right now. I'm in Exodus. And I was like, maybe maybe I'll get it today when I'm reading my stuff in Exodus. And I swear the day that that happened, it was nothing but like names. It was just a, like, this person's related, this person's related. And I was like, nope. Well, I'm definitely not preaching on that because I have no idea how to just preach on a list of names. But as I was... Uh, thinking about it, I was like, oh, you know what? Let me listen to you guys' sermon and see what you guys are talking about. And as soon as it started and I heard you guys are starting a new series on the church, I was like, that's exactly what I need to preach on. That is a perfect topic. Uh, so when I started thinking about this, one of the things that came to mind for me was what are the characteristics of a church? And, and one of the big things that defines a church is the church is not this building. It's not the seat you're sitting in. The church is all of you. We are, we are the church all of us. So what are our characteristics that we are to have, and how does that play out in the church? So I want to start out by asking a question. Who here in this room loves their spouse? You love your spouse? Turn to your spouse and say, I love you. Win some brownie points right now. Just do it. Promise. Brownie points are great. Growing up, I would say that I loved a lot of things. Uh, you know, if, if you asked me in high school, I would say I loved music. I play a lot of different instruments. I was always listening to music. Uh, you know, when I was in high school, I loved video games. I played like, if I wasn't, you know, either at the gym working out or at school, I was probably playing video games at home. Uh, I love being active. I, you know, if I was playing sports. I love playing sports. I love going to the gym in high school. I was way too addicted. I'd go like three to four times a day to the gym. Sometimes It it was a bad habit, but, uh, I really loved it. Obviously, I haven't gone to the gym in a little while now, but uh, I'm working on it. I've got a gym membership this week, so, you know, I'm, I'm nice and sore, and if you see me walking around weird, it's because my legs are on fire. So uh, love is not a foreign concept to us. We, we all have, we say we love things, we talk about loving things, but I think that this idea of love and the love that we see, that we should be seeing in the church is a little bit different than what we talk about on a day today. We're going to be in Colossians 3, 12 through 17, and it's going to talk us through some traits of a Christian, and, and we're going to dive into that love part at the end of this. So let's open up to Colossians 3, 12 through 17. I'll give you just a second to get there. And here's what it says. I'll read it up there. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that it is. Always appropriate to go to your word that we can find all answers there, God. God, as we break down this passage, God, just help us to understand it and take it and apply it to our lives and apply it to our hearts. In your name I pray, Amen. Hey, we're going to break down this verse. That's why I wanted to do today when I started looking at this. So we're going to start right at the beginning. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones. There's a little bit of a reference to the first verses uh, in this chapter. So in the first few verses, verses 1 through 12, Paul is telling us all of these things we need to leave behind from our old selves. When we become Christians, we need to leave behind sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So he he starts this passage by talking about all these things that we should get rid of in our lives. And then he says, instead, we need to have these traits in our lives, these things that he's about to list in just a second that we just read. And he says it right after, he says, we need to have compassionate hearts. We need to have kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We're to have hearts full of compassion. When you see someone who is hurting, someone who, who needs help, we are to have compassionate hearts for them. I had the opportunity to do a mission trip to Washington, D.C. when I was uh, interning at a church. And uh, I remember going up there you know, in high school and middle school for you know, various you know, school trips. And I remember always being told by our adults that were with us, hey, if you see someone who's homeless or begging, just don't talk to them. Just ignore them and walk by. That was always what we were told. If you go there with like a tour guide, they'll tell you the exact same thing. Just don't talk to them, ignore them, and they'll leave you alone and just walk on by. And I remember talking to the uh, church planner that we were working with in D.C. and talking about like, I remember being so disturbed by that when I was in middle school and high school. Like, you know, I remember we're, we're supposed to have compassion towards these people, but yet I'm being told, ignore them, don't talk to them. And it was so cool to get to hear from this guy talking about how important that was just for them to feel like humans, for us to talk to those people. He said, I always walk up to him and say like, hey man, I'm sorry, I don't have any money, but I would love to talk with you. And the smile they get on their face sometimes, they're happy because you're not ignoring them. You're you're coming with compassion towards them, having a compassionate heart. We should show kindness to all. As Christians, we should be showing kindness to all. You know, rather that it be the, the waiter at your restaurant that uh, has gotten your order wrong, uh, that cop that pulls you over for speeding, we're to show kindness to the cop that pulls you over for speeding. That's a hard one to do sometimes. Uh, that person at work that has different, maybe, political views than you, we're still to show kindness to them. That person whose personality just clashes with you, we're to show kindness to them. We're told to be humble, we're told to be humble as Christians. Uh, You know, I I think humbleness is something that's pretty hard to display for someone, like show like this is what humbleness looks like. Uh, But one of the people that I immediately think about is at one of the churches I intern at, we had this really amazing guy at our church who he had a cyber defense security company. And his company had the largest contract with the U.S. government. So he was very, very well off. But you would never know it by how he acted, by how he dressed, who he was as a person, he was the most kind, compassionate, generous person you'd ever meet. I remember one time at church, we, uh, someone had stolen our church trailer right before a youth trip, and our church bus had broken down, so we couldn't even tow a trailer if we needed it. And somehow, this man heard this story, and he grabbed his brand new, 20, you know, I guess back then it was probably 2017, 2017 Jeep Wrangler, went to a trailer store and bought a brand new trailer, and showed up at the church, threw the keys to me, and said, here, bring it back whenever my wife will pick me up. Just the most humble, generous person, and he looked at me on the way out and said, Don't tell anyone I did this. Like, just the coolest thing to me, but just the pure humbleness I saw with this guy. He never boasted about how much money, he never talked about it. You would never know, other than like the pastors that were on staff told me about it. But he was so just an amazing guy, truly showed me what humbleness looked like. This next word is meekness, which when I heard it, I was like, Man, I've heard of meekness. I've definitely said it before. I know I've seen it in the Bible. What is meekness? So I looked it up online, and the very first definition is the quality or state of being meek. So I laughed at that because I was like, that tells me absolutely nothing. I hate when the dictionary does that. Uh, so I looked it up on another one. It said, a mild, moderate, humble, or submissive quality. So this idea of meekness, so as I started looking through the Bible, a lot of times in the Bible when you see humbleness, meekness is followed closely after it. They're kind of associated together, and it, it means that in your humbleness, as God has blessed you with things, don't live an extravagant life with it. Be, have, a, have a kind of meek lifestyle, because that eccentric life you can live can also hurt your testimony. Uh, I was thinking about this Instagram account that got really famous for all called Preachers in Sneakers. I don't know if you ever saw this, but uh, it was this guy who would find famous pastors on the internet or on TV or stuff. He'd take a picture of them and then he would go and find all of their clothes that they're wearing and show how much money they were spending on it. I mean, and some of them were pretty insane, like, especially like shoes. You know about like really nice new shoes stuff? It can cost like three, $4,000 for these custom shoes they only made 10 pairs of and this pastor has it. And it was showing these things and it, it hurt these pastors' testimonies because these people started saying like, well, this guy, you know, why is he spending all this money on clothes? Isn't all these other things he'd be doing with that money, blessing people with, but now he's going to wear $10,000 shoes or $5,000 shoes. And uh, because he wasn't being meek in his personality as a Christian, it it was hurting his testimony. And that last one in there was having patience. Uh, Patience, man, if you ever pray to God for patience, you better be ready because he is going to teach you some patience. Uh, How easy is it when we're, you know, getting hangry at the, uh, you know, at shakers or wherever you're at, and uh, that waiter comes back and says, hey, it's just going to be 30 more minutes. How easy is it to snap at that waiter? It's not even her fault, but we just, we lose our patience. We get hangry. We, you know, we're just ready for our food. Uh, Or if you're like me, uh, you're going into your kid's bedroom for the fourth time the past 40 minutes because they want their nightly ego to sleep with. My son has to have an ego, And literally, like, this morning when I grabbed his blanket out of his bed, there's Three egos all over his bed because he doesn't even eat them. He like uses them as a pillow. I'm pretty sure. So, uh, how easy is it to snap at your kid? You know, three in the morning when he's begging for an ego again. (laughs) But they've given us all of these qualities. But when I looked at these qualities too, I think they should also apply to the church. How great would it be if your community looks at you and says, "Hey, that church over there, it's it's a compassionate church." Hey, that church over there. Hey, Tabba Valley that church is so kind. Oh man, that church, it's so humble. It's, 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 so, it's so patient. How cool would it be if the church is described by that as well? Continuing on with the verses, it says this, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You also must forgive. This is another key trait in the church and something that's so key Forgiveness is something that's so important to the church and for us as people. This is the key to a happy church right here. Forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Now, I want you to notice that phrasing there. He says, as the Lord has forgiven you. God is willing to forgive you of every single thing you've done wrong and completely forgive you of it. He holds no bitterness. He holds no grudges. He does not avoid you because you might sin again. He completely forgives you of it. So here's a question for the unity of of churches, for all churches, but this church too. Uh, Are you holding a grudge against someone in this room? Is there someone in this room that has made you mad about something that that you might've forgiven in the past, but you still hold that little bit of like, oh, I don't want them to do it again. For the unity of a church, that is so important because those small things can quickly divide a church and cause issues. I want to share a story about uh, a church that I was at and, and how these two people who had small differences caused some big issues within our church. Uh, we had these two people in my church that were, both owned carpet cleaning businesses. And in this town, they both ran the biggest carpet cleaning businesses. Like both of them, them two together, uh, but I mean apart, but uh, they both... We're constantly battling with each other because it'd be like, hey, you stole my client. Hey, you underbid this guy. and Now he won't go with me. Hey, you had to come clean this. I had to re-clean your carpet because you didn't do it well enough. Like it was small, petty things all the time. But it started to affect us at church. We had to split their small group because they couldn't be in the same room together. Legit, we had to split their small group because we couldn't put them in the same room. When we were doing events, we had to start planning things saying like, all right, let's make sure that this guy and this guy are in separate serving areas. And as this started happening more and more and the issues kept getting worse and worse, we finally decided one day that as, as pastoral staff, we needed to talk with them. And either we're going to have to do some uh, church discipline or just some counseling with them. And we decided this is what the best option was because we wanted unity in our church. When you're mad at someone in your church, you're mad at someone in your family. And that, that matters. So as we started talking, these two, they, they slowly began to forgive each other and talk. And, and actually what ended up happening with them is they learned that one of them loved the carpet cleaning side of business. They were all about, like, that's, that's where they had fun, that was their passion. But the other one did carpet cleaning because it was just kind of a necessity, but he loved doing tile work. Like, he loved cleaning tile, working with tile, doing that type of stuff. So these two that originally started as, like, like basically mortal enemies, uh, they end up coming together, bringing their business together, and focusing on these two different aspects. And because of that, they were doing more business and doing way better and themselves through that. And it was just a cool instance in which I saw how important forgiveness is because within the church, it was causing issues. It was a small thing, but because we worked through it, we learned to forgive each other and move on. These people were better off, and the church was better off because of it too. Uh, And then moving on with the verses, it says this. Above all of these things, above forgiving others, above compassionate hearts, kindness, humbleness, meekness, having patience, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony harmony. What is the greatest commandment according to Jesus? Every time. (laughs) Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's Jesus' words right there. And you know what he says the second is? The second of this is love your neighbor as yourself. The first and second greatest commandment according to Jesus is love Jesus and love everyone else. Love is so important. I think love is so key in the church and love is so key as Christians. It, it, love should be in everything that we do. I, I personally struggled with this a little bit uh, when I was in uh, my first internship that I was working at. Uh, I had the opportunity to work at a church in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia called Spotswood and I was the middle school intern uh, and I worked and I actually lived with my middle school pastor. I lived in his basement uh, he had a wife and kids and all that upstairs, but he had an extra room downstairs. And I lived down there. And through that, he really poured into me and mentored me. And we had a great relationship. And he would talk to me and call me out on things sometimes. And this was one of the ones he called me out on because I had this student that, in the youth group that just drove me nuts because he was notorious for losing things. We were on a trip. It was like a three-day trip. And in that, day, in that trip, he lost one sock, like while still wearing his shoe somehow. He lost a sock. He lost his shirt at one point, came up to me without a shirt on, not sure how he lost it. He lost his watch. He lost his phone. He lost his wallet. Like everything you could imagine, he would lose it somehow. And he came up to me for that like fifth time that week and said, hey, Pastor Michael, I lost uh, blah, blah, blah. And I just remember I was so annoyed with him. I was like, just just go find it on your own, man. And I I said that to him and my pastor caught me and called me out on it. And he kind of stepped in and, and said something to him. But after that encounter... He said, hey, you know, we really need to talk about that because you weren't showing love to him in that instance. And he said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read 1 Corinthians 13 and study that passage. And here's what it says, and it's something that has stuck with me ever since. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own ways. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. This verse became something to me that I memorize, that I, I, I keep with me all the time, because when I am supposed to be showing love to people, and maybe I just, I'm not feeling it that day, like, you know, I'm struggling being compassionate towards people that day. I'm struggling being kind to people that day. I'm just in a grouchy mood. You know, I didn't sleep well. Uh, I'm struggling having patience with that that student that lost something for the sixth time now. Uh, I recite this verse to myself in my head all the time. Sometimes I never get past like, love is patient, love is kind, that's all I need. Sometimes I'm going all the way down it because it's just been one of those days. But in my head, I'm saying love is patient, love is kind, love is not rude. Love is patient, love is kind. It It is not envy, it's not boastful. Like sometimes I just have to repeat to that, That to myself to help me to love others. We are to love others in all that we do. We are to have loving hearts full of compassion. We are to show kindness by loving all. We are to show love in our humbleness and our meekness and our patience. So the question then becomes, we have all of these things we're supposed to do. We're supposed to show kindness, compassion, meekness, humbleness, love. How do we do it then? That's the natural next question is, how do we do these things? And it's almost as if Paul knew what would that question was going to be next because he starts answering it immediately after. He says this, And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body. So we're going to break that down. There's two parts there. The peace of Christ. In uh, Philippians uh, 4, 6-7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't let anything in this world disturb you because we have the peace of Christ in our hearts. And we'll come back to that in a second. Let's talk about the one body part, and then it'll make a little more sense about the peace of Christ. In Ephesians 2.6, it says, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ in one body. This peace of Christ that he was just talking about can only exist if you have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. If you do not have, if you do not believe that Jesus Christ was fully man, fully God, came down, lived a sinless life, died for your sins and was raised three days later, then you cannot have the peace of Christ in your heart. Uh, when I was reading some commentaries on this, uh, some commentaries say that these are two more traits that all Christians should have. We should have a relationship with Jesus and we should have the peace of Christ in our heart. What I would say is, too, these are the first two traits as Christians we should have. Because the first step, if you want to, you know, show kindness and show God's kindness, show God's compassion, God's love, you have to have the peace of God in your heart, which starts with having Jesus in your life. You need these two things first. And then he says this. "How, how How do we have these things in our lives? Okay, so you have to have Jesus in your heart. You have to have the peace of Christ. And then he says, and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You need the word of Christ in your life. If you want to be showing Christ's love, Christ's compassion, we need to be doing it because he has inspired us to do that. Now, there's a lot of ways we can hear the word of Christ. Uh, you can go to church and hear it here. You can, you know, hear it online through, uh, you know, if you listen to certain pastors online. You always want to be careful what pastors you're listening to if you're going online, but being sure that they're teaching in a biblical fashion uh, but my personal thing is the best way in which to hear the word of God is your Bible. It's, it's, it's the inspired and word of God. It's, it's perfect. It's, it's exactly what we need in all situations. All of life's answers can be found in there. It might not be direct. It might say, not say you should buy you know, this versus this or do this versus this, but if you search it deep enough, you will find all of life's answers in there. And I would encourage you as a church, I heard you guys just finished up one Bible reading plan, always have a Bible reading plan in my opinion that takes you through the Bible in a year. It's not as big of a commitment as you think. It's it's 3 to 4 chapters and let's say even like you just have a bad week and you don't read all week, it would take you maybe 45 minutes to an hour to catch it all back up and get to where you are. I'm really bad about that. I'll get like, you know, a solid like month and a half where I won't miss a single day and then life gets really busy and we, you know, go out to eat and I normally read it as I'm sitting there over my son's bed and singing songs to him, and I'll read it to him some. And uh, if, if it's just been a crazy busy day, I'll miss it sometimes. So then that next day, I'm, you know, having to catch up. And it's an easy thing that you can do. But as Christians, committing to reading the Bible once per year, it, I think it's just a great commitment to have. Because it means every year you're going to read the whole Bible, get the whole story of God. So an easy way in which you can do it. And it continues on by saying, Admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Here's, here's what the commentary said about this uh, part of the passage. Paul encourages the singing of various types of spiritual songs. Paul never gives preference to one type of music over another. His purpose here is simply to state that all types of music were to be used to let the word of Christ dwell richly within us. This singing was done with an attitude of thanksgiving, Singing praise to God is largely associated with showing our gratitude to him rather than focusing on ourselves or our own desires. Make sure that you are focusing on God during your times of worship, but these songs can also dwell within us too. I can't tell you the number of times that I have had a song come to mind that has helped me in times of, you know, maybe it was worrying or maybe it was doubt or whatever it is, Uh, I remember a time that uh, I was just really needing to feel God's assurance. I remember like specifically that word assurance came. And for some reason, the old hymn, Blessed Assurance, came to my mind, which at the time, I really didn't even know that well. I just knew, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. That was all I knew of it. Couldn't tell you anything else. But that song came to my heart and and it it helped me. There's been so many times that songs have come through and helped me in times. Uh, They can encourage you. So Singing those songs is another way that you can have the word of God dwelling within you. And the last thing he says in this passage is, in whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. He ends this passage by reminding us of a very important thing. In everything that we do, do it in the name of Jesus. Rather, you are a pastor, or a banker, or a farmer, or a woodworker, you know, a stay-at-home mom. Do everything in the name of Jesus. But then also with these, these traits we're talking about. And, that, and you're being compassionate to people. Do it in the name of Jesus. Don't just be compassionate because of your desire to do it. Do it in the name of Jesus. Show kindness to all in the name of Jesus. You know, I have met people who have zero relationship with Jesus. They're the most compassionate, kind people you'd ever meet. They love people, but they're not doing it in the name of Jesus. That's something that separates us, is that we do this not for our own sake. It's not about, I'm doing this so I feel good. I'm doing this because it is in the name of Jesus that I do this. That's an important thing that we need to remember. Uh, And it just applies in everything we do in life. Doing things in the name of Jesus. Why do we work hard at work? We do it because we want to honor God. We want to do it in the name of Jesus. So as we show love in this world, love, as I talked about, is such an important thing in the church. And I think it's so important because the love that's out in this world has kind of been skewed a little bit. The word love doesn't mean the same thing as what we see in the Bible anymore. It's, it's a little bit different. We, we, we use it a little loosely. We talk about, you know, I love video games or, you know, I love doing woodworking or I love this. But the love we're talking about in the Bible is so much different. I want to share a story about a time in which I got to show Christ's love to a student of mine. Uh, I was working at this church, and I had this student that when I first walked into the doors, I assumed it was a boy. I absolutely assumed that because, like, when she came up to me and said her name, there was a boy name. I just assumed it looked like a boy. Uh, and I was very quickly corrected by someone else. one of the youth leaders, and told like, hey, so you know that's actually a girl... Uh, This is her name, and and she kind of struggles with her identity. Right now, she identifies as a boy. And I remember saying, oh, okay, okay, and I hadn't really had to deal with that yet. You know, it was probably 2016 at the time, so that really hadn't come out too much in the media. It started getting some popularity with people, so I wasn't exactly sure what to do, and I found this great book called Messy Grace. This book talks about how we live in this world that we have messy grace, because there is a truth in the Bible that is undeniable about what God says but we also have this grace that was to be given to. So as I read this book and, and, and I realized this is what I want to do with this student. This is exactly how I want to talk with her and, and treat her because this book really preaches about loving that student, showing love to them. So I remember one day getting to talk to that student and uh, walking up to her and saying, hey, I'm so excited that you're here today. Uh, it's gonna be super fun. I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad. And uh, she said to me like, oh, like, I thought you were going to talk about something else. I was like, well, what do you think I was going to talk about? She's like, well, well, you know I used to be a girl, right? And I said, oh, yeah, I know about that. She's like, oh, you knew about it? And I was like, well, well yeah, yeah, they, they told me when I got here. But, you know, I, was, I wanted to make sure you knew that I was happy you're here and, and show you that I, I love that you're here and that we love you here. And she said, oh, well, uh, okay. Uh, well, well, are you okay with my lifestyle? And I said, I'm going to be honest with you. No, I, I don't think the way you're living is biblical. But but here's the thing I want you to know. You know that I believe that. You know where I stand on that. I don't need to remind you every time you walk in these doors. But what I am going to remind you of is that I love you and I'm so excited that you're here. My goal was to build a relationship with this girl so that as she began to have questions or concerns or needed guidance, she was coming to the right person. She was coming to someone who believed in Jesus who wanted her best intentions in Jesus. So as we continue with that relationship, I always showed her love, always was happy she was there. And as she continued coming to church, I fully believed as she would sit there and listen to my sermons, if, if I'm preaching God's word, it's gonna affect her heart. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's going to change her. And that's, that's what I would tell all my leaders. I said, we do not need to mention it to her. She understands what we believe. Here's what we need is for her to feel like she's loved. So she continues coming here and hearing the word of God. And slowly over time, she began ask me questions about Jesus She began asking me questions about the Bible. She began asking me questions that were leading towards salvation. And one day she came to a saving relationship with Jesus. It was a glorious moment. I was so excited. But she was still identifying as a boy at that time. And I remember saying, do I need to address this now? I remember talking to God. And and that was one of those moments that uh, I needed the assurance of God. I I remember uh, remember there was a song that came to mind of just, uh, I wish I could think of what song it was, but there was a song that encouraged me in that time. I do remember that. But as I continued to love on her through that, she began to have more and more questions. And one day uh, we were in a Bible study and we had been talking about homosexuality in there. And she looked at me afterwards and said, Michael, I, I believe in Jesus. And, and I see that in the Bible, that, that this, this lifestyle isn't right according to the Bible. What, what do I do? And I said, you know, some, I didn't, I'm trying not to say your name. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I... Uh, I knew that this moment would come one day, and, and here's the honest truth: you can't have both of these. I said, "I, I want you to know you're going to have to pick one of these." And, and she decided to follow Jesus to this day. She still identifies as a girl. I believe she's engaged right now, so I rejoice in that. She's she's a sweet, sweet student of mine that uh, I always think of. But it was because I loved her. It's because that as a church I showed her love, because a lot of churches she had been at in the past had not shown her love. In fact. She'd been kicked out of other youth groups because of identifying as a boy. But I I wanted to be different. And that's what I think our churches should be defined as. All churches should be defined by their love. There's a lot of churches, unfortunately, that have been defined by their hate, by their segregation, by their, we, we, we don't do that here. We're not about that here. We should be defined by our love. Now, that's not saying we compromise the truth of God's word, but we should be showing love in everything that we do. So here are two questions I have to, to wrap this sermon up. I hope I did good on time, so I have no idea what time I started. So perfect, perfect. Uh, here's two questions. The first is, do you have the peace of God in your heart? If, if you don't have the peace of God in your heart, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today's the day to do that. Don't wait one more minute because we never know how long we have. You know, working as the chaplain in the uh, rescue squad, uh, I've already had to come to a few dead, or I've been to one dead on arrival already. No one was expecting it. No one thought that, that was going to happen. She was a younger person, and and you just never know when that's going to happen. Don't wait for that. And the second question is, for those that already have the peace of God in your hearts, who do you need to show love to, and and how can you show love better to the world? For all of us in this room, how can you as a person, but you... Us as a church here, you as a church here, how can you better show love? So what I want to do today, do you guys want me to do a time of response, right? Okay, perfect. for this time of response, if, if you need to talk to one of the past, or, or talk to Aaron about coming and joining this church or coming and learning more about what it means to be saved, I, I encourage you to talk to Aaron. He, he's your pastor right now, still I'm not officially on staff. Talk to him about it. He would love to build that relationship with you. Uh, you know this is an open altar too. If you need to just come up here and say you know I need to forgive this person. I need to show better love to this person at work. Take some time and take that before God. As, as Jessica's coming up to play, I assume, yes. Uh, as, as Jessica's coming up to play, I just encourage you to take this time and, and talk to God about what you need to do, what your next steps are. I'm going to pray, and then Jessica's going to play. God, I thank you for bringing us here. I thank you for the fact that you uh, brought this word to me, God, and and God, help me to deliver it, God, in a way that's honoring to you. God, I pray for all of those in this room. if, If someone doesn't have a relationship with you, bring them into a relationship with you today. Give them the courage to walk up to Aaron and talk to him or talk to one of their friends or whoever. And God, I also pray for all those in this room as we focus on forgiving someone or loving someone more or how we can love people more. God, bring that to their minds. Give them the courage to do those things. In your name I pray, amen.